You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yo, what's going on, y'all? You're listening to a special edition of Off Book, the Black Theater Podcast, presented to you by Broadway Black and sponsored by Real Men Productions. It's time for Off Book to go off stage with the leading men of the first play to reopen Broadway, Namir Smallwood and John Michael Hill from Passover by Antoinette Wandu. There's only one place to learn the latest. There's only one place to hear the greatest. There's only one place for your information. It's the Off Book Podcast. What's going on, everybody? It's a brand new episode of Off Book presented to you by Broadway Black. We're ready to hit our mark and we're ready to do it right now. My name is Drew Shade and I am here with Namir Smallwood and John Michael Hill from the play Passover, the first play to hit the Broadway stage since the pandemic. And we are excited about it. We are excited to dive into this piece into these two artists. Welcome, gentlemen. How are you all doing today? Doing great, man. How are you? I'm alive. I'm breathing on schedule. That's my main thing that I say all the time, that I'm breathing <laughs> on schedule, because that's all we can ask for, right? Love um, that's, the, that's the main thing. So that, that sort of pumps me up, and it pumps other people up, too, in the meantime, too. So um, I'm glad that you two are breathing on schedule. Thank you for being here. Absolutely. It's an honor to be here. Absolutely. Hey, we love to hear. Uh, gentlemen, I first must start out by saying that I have to give you so many praises and, and applause uh, for the work that you're doing in Passover. Passover is a a tough piece, it feels as, as though, even sitting in the audience, it's, it feels like a tough piece. And to see the way you two play off of each other and the brotherly love that you all develop on that stage night after night is absolutely phenomenal. Um, can you talk to me a little bit about how did you get here? I want to start with you, John. John, you've been on Broadway before. Uh, 2010, you were nominated for a Tony. Talk to me about your your trajectory to this particular point and coming back to Broadway. Wow, I'm gonna try not to <laughs> take up too too much time with the trajectory. No, take take all the time you need. It's your story, brother. We want to hear. It. We want to know more about you. John Michael Hill was was on Broadway in 2010 with Superior Donuts. He was nominated for Best Supporting Actor um, in a play. Uh, so that that was a wild time. I had just sort of gotten out of undergrad at University of Illinois in Champaign. While I was there, I did my first play at Steppenwolf in Chicago. And mm. it just happened to be at a time when they were hoping to bring in some um, new blood. And I showed up, did my thing with Anna Shapiro in a Bruce Norris play, and they asked me to join the company shortly after. So when I graduated, that was sort of my artistic home and got you know hooked up with Tracy Letts and he he had just done August Osage and was writing Superior Donuts and that that was the first show that you know I transferred with ever and uh, to be a part of that team was uh, eye opening was a learning experience I tried to soak in as much as I could being up there with the, all those vets at that point yeah because you just you really just glossed over all of that you said Tracy Letts you said all these names you said all this all this stuff you just glossed over like it was no big deal and like. We all know that, that that's a big deal, especially coming out of school. And you went to school in Champaign, Illinois. Like, I'm from Indiana, so I'm from Fort Wayne, Indiana. So I know the Midwest. I know <laughs> Champaign. Don't nobody know Champaign like that. So how did you, like, talk? tell us for real, 
How did you go from Champaign, Illinois to Broadway within a year's time? Uh, I think a lot of it was um, not really understanding the magnitude of the, the circles I was being brought into. Waukegan, Illinois, we didn't get to Chicago much. I didn't see, I didn't know anything about Seven Wolf when I auditioned for the first show there. So it was truly about the work for me. And I just sort of was singularly focused on that. And that's been a lesson to me that everything else will come if you're focused on telling the story with your, you know, to the, the full extent of your ability and, and being a open collaborator. Uh, so I think not being intimidated it's it, it was sort of an ignorance is bliss sort of thing um i you know i sort of knew who they were but i was really just a new kid on the block trying to do the best work i could do and i think that served me well and and it has been serving you so after your broadway debut what happened within these past 10 years that brought you back to uh, this piece you you did do this role of of um in passover in chicago am mm -hmm. i correct Yes, yeah, so over those 10 years, because of Superior Donuts, TV gigs started to pick up for me, and I got a couple series regular situations going on, and that sort of uh, took up a lot of my time, but there was, fortunately for me, there's there was a new slot at Steppenwolf that was the summer slot, it was like two months long, that was my whole hiatus from elementary, I played this detective named Marcus Bell on CBS for like seven seasons, and there was, we would film for 10 months. And then in that break, I got to do a couple shorter runs at Seven Wolf. And Passover was one of those that we did a reading of it. And then we didn't do the production for like a whole year. So I was sort of sitting with uh, Antoinette's first draft of that, one of her first drafts of that play and uh, communicating with her about you know, what I, I was wrestling with in the material because people just think you just jump in and do a play. It's like, no, you have to find right. your way into these characters and these stories to make sure yeah. that you can bring what it requires. And so I, I just sort of grew along with the piece. She brought in a new script day one of rehearsal and we just sort of had to deal with that and <laughs> off to the races. And so that was... That was a big uh, uh, thing for me, being able to uh, uh, shepherd oh. that project, you know, with everything. Yeah, so in the midst of developing Passover while you were still on television in on the show Elementary for seven years, you glossed over that too. You've done Person of Interest, Law and Order, Detroit 187, Eastbound and Dawn. So you've done a lot of television. How was it jumping back onto the stage after doing such a different medium um, after so long? I did have a break. What was the first one that I did back? I did uh, Constellations. I think that might have been the first show back for after a couple years hiatus. And it was one of those plays where you had to, you say, you do the same scene like four different ways with just little tweaks. So it was a memorization nightmare. And that was sort of like a, a trial by fire getting back into it. And it was like, riding a bike after a while. Um, I, I felt that I was reinvigorated to get back on the stage after spending so much time in front of the camera. It's such a different beast and it's, you know, it's live and you, you play out the whole arc with no stops. So I, I, was, I was sort of like, uh, I had all this pent up energy, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, like, I feel that. Uh, and, and, and it shows that you use that all in your performance. When you um, did do Broadway and you were nominated for a Tony, was that something that was uh, shocking to you? Were you shocked? What, what was that, that experience like for you? Yeah, man, I was just doing, uh, you know, doing what I usually do, try to try to give <laughs> my all. And Tracy was like, you know, you're going to be nominated <laughs> Tony, I was like, okay, <laughs> and then if it actually happened, and uh, you know, I was in rooms with folks that I never really thought I would. I met Denzel during that time. Uh, 
saw the way he he moved in those rooms and 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 tried to soak up you know everything I could. Uh, but you know, awards are strange, and yeah. I never want to talk about of, it. I ne- I never sort of want to be uh, uh, chasing after that sort of recognition because I feel like it's so fleeting and art is subjective and you know there's it's it's trap to me um so really it's it's about the preparation and rehearsal and then execution of the work for me and you try to enjoy that stuff I'm an introvert not a networker so those things are draining in a different way um, yes, but I'm, I understand. I'm learning to be more in the moment and just enjoy people's company and and you know. Now, do you have a hard time sitting in compliment? Absolutely. Okay, <laughs> that's what that's what I'm receiving here because I'm trying to like I'm trying to give it to you because sir, you you're doing awesome work and as as well as you, uh, Namir, Namir yeah. Smallwood. I've known you for some years. You're in Chicago. You know, you both met at Steppenwolf, correct? Yes. Um, and I knew I knew you from Chicago. You did another Tracy Let's Play, which was just just not too long ago. Uh, don't give me the lion. You just did the Tracy Let's Play, maybe last year. He just yeah. did Bug. Yeah. The pandemic yeah, shut it down. It was selling out, so they bringing it back, and he's going right back into it in hey. a month, and he's gonna kill it again. Of course you are, brother. That's that's what I'm talking about. Stay booked because you are you are. <laughs> You are doing it, brother. Like I saw you in uh, Dominique Mariso's Pipeline. And that was the first piece that I saw. I knew you from Chicago, but I never saw you in anything until then. And so when I heard that you were doing Passover, I said, oh, this this guy, he's got it. This gentleman right here, he's he's going to bring something. So congratulations on your Broadway debut with Passover. Talk Thanks, to me a little bro. bit about that process of taking it from Steppenwolf. Also filming this this movie for, for uh, Hulu, not Hulu, excuse me, filming this uh, this movie for Spike Lee um, on, is it on Hulu? It is on Amazon Hulu, right? Prime. Amazon Prime. Don't get me to lying. Jesus. Amazon Prime. Talk to me about the, the process of Steppenwolf, realizing you're not going to film this, this play, um, and then coming to Broadway with it as well. This, this journey, this full circle journey, if you will. Well, John could talk about the... Uh the Amazon Prime and Spike mm-hmm. Lee because I wasn't a part of the Chicago um, iteration. Taping, right. Yeah, I was, was going booked. to be. I was going Okay, so to what be. happened with that, Namir? So I was going to be, I was scheduled to pass over for like nine months. And I went off to do a play in California, you know, after not having you know, worked in Chicago for like five years, uh, being there, living there, but not being able to buy a job. Um, mm. So I ended up going off to California to do Gem of the Ocean. And I came back and I just got a text message um, from the director of this workshop that they were doing this, this workshop for this play called Pipeline by Dominique Mariso. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm like, okay, cool. And I had heard of Dominique, Sunset Baby, and one of my mentors, um, Marion McClinton, he did a workshop of one of I love how y'all just be tossing these names out. (laughs) Your mentor is Marion McClinton. Like, what? Yeah. Like, (laughs) what? Yeah. If anybody doesn't know who Marion McClinton is, a, a phenomenal director, uh, uh, August Wilson Tide, um, just a, a a titan in the industry when it comes to theater, when it comes to Black theater, when it comes to lifting us up, when it comes to telling our stories, Marion McClinton is everything. Um, so go ahead. I'm sorry. I just had to. I love how you just yeah. throw stuff out like that. <laughs> so, Y'all killing me. Y'all killing me. <laughs> so, you know, I, I went and did this uh, this workshop. And it was at Steppenwolf. And, you know, Dominique, she took a liking to me. She took a liking to what I did with Omari in that workshop. And fast forward about maybe a few months, six months or so, I don't know, 
scary. But I got a call from my agent saying, um, there's a workshop, uh, a pipeline in New York that you're being asked to audition for. And I declined because I was scheduled to do Passover. And I was like, no, I, 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 I want to do this. You know, About a month or two later, it came back around. And it was just like, yes, they want you to audition. I was like, no, I'm going to stick with Passover. I gave my word. I've been you know, sticking with this for about a year, you know, so then Dominique, she emailed, said, do you have time to talk? <laughs> oh, she, oh, she got you. You know, she, yeah. way, she got away with words. Yes. Yes, sir. <laughs> so she poured into your spirit. She said, you're the only one that could do this. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, look, put yourself on tape, do me a favor mm. and put yourself on tape. And just so my team could see, did exactly what she asked me to do, and I got cast. And I went to Anna Shapiro, the then artistic director, Steppenwolf, and I was like, look, because I was doing a show um, called Monster at that time, too. I said, look, um, I just got offered a pipeline that's going to be at Lincoln Center. I mean, I'm, I'm from New Jersey mm-hmm. and my family, you know, my grandparents are getting older. My grandmother has dementia. You know, I want them to be able to see me close yeah, to home. Yeah. 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 So, so she said, that's great. Congratulations. Um, I was going to wait until after Passover opened, but we want you here. You belong here. So we're going to make you an ensemble member. So there's that. I said, huh? Wow. Yeah, just like that. She said, <laughs> so if you, you know, whatever you decide, you know, we, we're going to have your back, you know, whatever mm. you decide. So I decided that I was going to go to New York to do this play. And I went and did that. It was a success. I had a uh, ton of fun. I met a lot mm. of great people, you know. Um, that I'm still like really close with now, and yeah. Then the next year, I got an offer to do Passover at Lincoln Center, and it's just like what? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, so I mean that's that's pretty much how that happened. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's a, and like I said, I, I saw you in Pipeline and that's how I was introduced to you here in the New York theater scene. Um, so that's absolutely phenomenal. Two things I want to um, make sure that I say one uh, rest in peace to Mary McClinton. Yes. Um, the, the legacy that he has left still feels like he is here, absolutely. Um, but I do want to honor his name and honor his work. Um, and the second thing is um, the person that played your role or the role that you are playing now in yes. the, Amazon Prime version was Julian Parker. I wanted to make sure that I yes. honor his work and Absolutely. what he did in the Amazon Prime film as well. Um, gentlemen, so did you guys, you guys met at Steppenwolf. Can you talk to me about your, your personal relationship and how that sort of affected the work that you do with Passover? Hill? <laughs> <laughs> I think we were uh, sort of like-minded in that we were pretty soft-spoken keep to ourselves we come to work and want want everybody to have a good time but we're we're pretty much there to work and then we bounce out uh so we did this play called hot el baltimore that was directed by tina landau at steppenwolf um lanford wilson yes and you know, it was interesting how I came to that. I think K. Todd Freeman uh, got something else, so he dropped out. I had just finished doing Detroit when seven, and Tina was like, you want to come do a play? I was like, hell yeah. So <laughs> it was new. I just showed up. I usually, like, was a lot further along in my process than, uh, than I was on this because it was sort of a last-minute thing. Uh, which which was really freeing and fun. And I, I was just like, who is this dude, Naveer Smallwood, doing this work? It was so good. You just couldn't take your eyes off him. So creative. And he was working with Alana Arenas 
Queen, Oof. absolutely oh. queen. Oh my goodness, she's <laughs> sickening. So anybody, on David makes man yeah, like she's that's right. sickening. So anybody who could get up in the scene with Alana and not get completely <laughs> over, oh. <laughs> um, you know they got something. So I just sort of admired uh, Namir's work ethic and his creativity from the beginning, working on that yeah. project. Yeah, I mean, awesome. and that's how it was for me. Like, that was my first show at Steppenwolf, and that was the show that I moved to Chicago with. And I had been hearing about John, you know, for like a couple of years. And I just marveled at how he had zero ego after being nominated for a Tony <laughs> year prior. <laughs> you know? With like Denzel Washington, I'm like, this is this is wild. Yeah, you know? and I just I, I I really took to how he approached the work because that's how I approached the work, and we never had any scenes together, you know. So mm -hmm. we didn't get to work together until Passover three years mm -hmm. ago. So that was, and once we did that, it was just like, oh yeah, we're simpatico like for real yeah because oddly enough you guys even just sitting here talking with you, you guys have the same vibration the same energy i don't know if that's because you've been working together for these past couple of months or so or over these last three years but the energy uh feels in sync in a, in a um i shouldn't say in a, in a weird way but in a, a very um warm uh brotherly way like you guys feel like you are related in some form or fashion, whether it's cousins, you feel close. I'll say that. Um, talk to me about this, the rehearsal process then and getting to know each other in that and, and matching uh, work because you all seem very disciplined on uh, what you bring and in, bring into the room. Talk to me about the process of this particular work because this, we're gonna dive into this piece. This piece is a little, um, it's, it's a lot. There's a lot happening. Um, there's a lot that can be misinterpreted um, there's a lot that can be um, misconstrued. And so I want to uh, really get behind the piece and what you all think about um, the development of, over these past couple of years and, and the message that it's sending. So talk to me about your rehearsal process and how you come into this space um, and how you guys work together. I, it's a lot of listening. And I, I feel like uh, Danya Tamor put together a team that's very communicative and open and places collaboration very high on the priorities list. Um, so she really sort of sets the tone in, in terms of bringing in inspiration and talking about what we're about to tackle and, and the given circumstances and, and what we need from her as a leader. Um, and setting ground rules about how to approach the work. Something as simple as, if it ain't your line, you're not saying the N-word <laughs> in the room. Yeah. Um, if there is fight uh, uh, choreography also, happening. She, that was one of the main questions, too, that people have been asking. Was she saying the N-word? Was she saying nigga in the room? Was she nope. <laughs> like that? That is... Because people often lean into when they look at, at black people on stage, who's directing the work and do they look like us? And so when you have a white woman directing a play about two black men, um, you know, specifically, how does that work? How does that inform the work? How does that uh, uh, change the interpretation? Um, how do you all how did you all feel about that when you walked into the space and realized that you were going to have a white woman as a director? Was there a, a, a hesitation? Was there anything there that made you feel uncomfortable? Well, I'll say that in Chicago, it was there was, you know, turnover and but Antoinette specifically asked for Danya. So I was a bit reticent, but that was because there was a new script that I hadn't seen on my first day. I didn't know anything about Danya. Um, so, I, yeah, I was guarded for a couple of days for sure. But you you can't stay like that if you're going to uh, give your full self to the work. And she certainly um, has an instinctual feel for when to 
defer to the black experience and the voices in the room. The room. She's yeah. She's there to guide the collaboration and then when something needs to be set or we need to get specific or talk about whatever, she she's got a great instinct for when she needs to step in and assert herself as the director of the full piece. But I never felt like my voice wasn't actually this is the most forward in any process that my voice has been. Um, I don't know how it was for you in uh, at Lincoln Center, Namir. I mean, I, I agree because the thing that I admire about Johnny being a, a, a white woman, you know, directing, being charged with directing this particular work, she listens and she never stopped listening, you know? And she, not only does she listen, she takes heed to what we have to say, you know what I mean? And you don't find that a lot, you know? I, yeah. I've worked in situations where, you know, you try to- It don't matter what they look like. Exactly, you know, <laughs> it's like you try to, you know, say, well, this doesn't feel good, or, you know, maybe we should, you know, look at it like this, well, this is what, I look like and me doing X, Y, and Z, you know, could be misconstrued as something else that you don't intend. But, you know, there isn't a willing, there wasn't a willingness to see it. But with Donia, there's a, oh, I never thought about that. Okay, well, we'll, we'll come up with something else, you know? And it's just, it's very freeing, you know what I mean? To yeah. be able to have agency in your own experience in this and actually story. collaborate yeah exactly yeah yeah because it, you, you're putting your body on the line at the end of the day exactly um one, one thing i admired about her process was she would you know it was it was tough to not dive into the work right away when we first get there but she certainly put us through like a rigorous uh warm-up workout thing <laughs> followed by sort of creative games to get your uh, imagination warmed up as well. And- Like give an example, do you have an example of that? She would have us do a memory play where you, you know, she'd give us a prompt and we'd have to go into our actual, you know, Childhood experience and, yeah. and uh, uh, basically put on a short play of that experience together mm -hmm. with, you know, not much time. You just gotta uh, oh, figure it out. unearthing some go. stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah, and Every it, you day. know, some sometimes it was joyful, sometimes it it was dark, and uh, yeah, that you know, I, I think those exercises not only got our imagination going, but opened us up to be ready to um, explore what we had to explore, um, and got us knowing each other quicker. Yeah, and got us to yeah. trust. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's beautiful, and that's what the work is about. The you're also in therapy. I know that Antoinette talked about supplying therapy for the artists of this show. Is that something that you have taken full advantage of, um, especially if you're unearthing some some traumatic things or even some some childhood memories you may for, may have forgotten? Um, how is the therapy coming to play for for the both of you? I haven't taken advantage of the mental health uh, stipend yet because there was some disconnect. I don't think they were able to refer anybody and maybe mm. for legal reasons or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. I think finding somebody black that <laughs> works with artists on this particular type of work. Type of thing. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I haven't found that yet, but uh, even if I don't find one this week and use the stipend, I think it is something that I'm going to invest in just because I think that's an under-researched arena. Like, what are we, what are the repercussions of putting yourself through that sort of men mental, emotional, uh, mm -hmm. physical duress eight times a week? Um, yeah. What about you, Namir? Yeah, I didn't use it uh, for mental health. I used it for, like, overall body health. Mm -hmm. I mean, doing a lot of physical stuff in that play, and just, like, you know, after, at the end of every week, it was like my body was a wreck. I'm just like, okay, I need to <laughs> take care of this. So that's what I used it for. You know I mean? Yeah. 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 And that's, that's what it's there for. I, I, Absolutely. I, um, I think that's amazing though, that they, that was offered. 
Um, and, and I feel like you two have your own process mentally anyway, because you, you, you know, being an introvert or uh, being an introverted extrovert, if you will, um, as a performer, <laughs> yeah. uh, you have your own mental process and only your own rituals that you have to go through in order to keep yourself together and disciplined. Um, and I think that's beautiful. Talk to me about when you got into the new room, into this room, and there was a new play, you knew a new ending was coming, but you didn't know what it was. What was that like? Honestly, it was like we had no idea what the ending was going to be. And we didn't get the new ending until what? Tech? <laughs> right about tech. Right before we moved into the space, I think we got yeah. it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So And it continued it was, to change. Yeah, during yeah. tech. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, having that, it's just like we had to tr continue to trust the process. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, but once is that, we got is that frightening? Is that frightening to walk into a space and have new pages that you have to 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 go on that night and 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 you know say like that? Because even when I saw the, the the preview and then I came to opening night, I could definitely tell that that it would that it, it was pruned. There were things that were that were you know moved around. That things were added. There was a, you know a new song here or there. Um, how when you're on stage for the entire play there's no time to go off and look at your book no time to to go and you know pull like is there a microphone is somebody calling the line off on the stage like what how how tell me how please I'm, tell me i'm gonna tell you like i'm so glad that the changes weren't like a monologue you know like a two three page monologue you know, mm -hmm. that somebody had to say because had it been august wilson you know <laughs> right. That would have been a different, different story, different outcome. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it can be a little frightening because you don't know, you know, what's, what's going to happen. Am I going to remember, you know, what, what is, what is going to happen, you know, but again, it goes back to that whole trust thing, you know, but once we got that ending, the new ending. I felt great about it because it was it, it kind of left me personally as as an as an actor it left me on a more hopeful notes and I can be a little more energized at the end of the show because when we did it three years ago it was like we got to the end and it was like all right I'll see y'all later yeah, like, I gotta <laughs> oh, go gotta go <laughs> And yeah. don't have no conversation for anybody you know what i mean yeah so so it, that the the new ending was a blessing once we got there you know what i mean a mm -hmm. couple things let me see if i can remember there there are few joys like being able to execute something you got that day in the show mm. that night mm. and i think we've done that a couple times where we were like, you you know, you get it, you go off, you work on your own. And I feel like the foundation of the play was so strong and our navigation through it and the changes only made it more clear, mm -hmm. um, more moving. Then it's easier to remember and execute when it's only helping the play. Yeah. Um, yeah. So kudos to Antoinette for those tweaks. Um, and yeah, I agree about the, the ending having, you know, leaving us on, on a, a more joyful, in a more joyful space. Um, more joyful or is it joyful at all? Is it joyful? That's, that's the, a, a lot of topics of, of discussion. The topic of discussion about this new ending, mm -hmm. um, has been circulating our, our community, um, and how joyful is it? Is there is there anything unsettling um, for oh, yeah. you all in in portraying this particular new ending? Well, I'll say that it's certainly multi layered. Mm -hmm. I know that the policeman becoming Christopher, becoming humanized and going into the promised land is a sticking point for some people. It was a sticking point for me, but Antoinette 
explained it to me, um, you know, pretty concisely. She was like, this mm -hmm. is Christianity. You don't have to be deserving mm. of forgiveness or grace to receive it. To receive it. That's yeah. what it is. So if this person has purged their evil, they may have done all these kind of things and it may not have been of their own accord, mm -hmm. but it did happen and he is one of God's chosen. So he gets into the promised land. For Moses, the after everything he's been through with uh, Kitsch on the block, it is joyful that he gets to walk into a paradise. And then there's that little warning that makes uh, the play high art to me. Uh, this sort of ambiguous warning that Kitsch doesn't quite make it into the promised land. And what is it that's holding him back? How do you interpret the chains um, from his top 10 uh, promised land list being a thing that entices him to sort of stay on the block? What What, what is it? Um, that's holding him back and what does that mean for uh what are the implications for america um i love yeah, hearing me, people's interpretations yeah. oh yeah like for me it's like you don't get to see kitch make a decision all you get to see him do is turn around you know so yeah. by him turning around you know it's 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 easy to assume that ah yes you know, he's gonna stay on the block because you know he he wants his, his his three gold chains. But also, it's one of those things where it's very human because you, what we do as humans is we stick very closely to what we know. So if we stick to what we know, if something, if what we know is presented to us, and something that is unfamiliar is presented to us. We're going to stick with what we're going to try to stick to what we know because that's familiar, you know? So uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's very, very, very interesting, you know, for me to be able to play that moment because as an actor, as a character, all I'm doing is turning around. Just that one movement has so, so many much, layers, yeah, yeah. You know? And again, like John said, that's high art. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's not wrapped up in a bow. It's not exactly on a silver platter. Right. You you got to do some. They don't give it to you. They don't right. just feed it to you. You right. have to dissect it and, and figure out what's inside. I mean, and I love that. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um, do you think there are any blind spots? Do you think that people are missing something? I mean, because people get so wrapped up in maybe one moment, they may miss another. Um, especially us as Black people, we get so emotionally involved. And, and, and I have to tell you, too, I saw the play the first time. Um, and it infuriated me. And I came back and I had a visceral reaction. And I also was sitting in the middle of the aisle and I could not escape. I could not leave. I told myself, I was like, oh, there's going to be a certain part that I'm going to walk out on because I just cannot see that. And they gave me tickets that were right dead center. So I couldn't walk out of the aisle. Um, and I just tried to close my eyes, but I just had a visceral reaction of, of, of sadness, uh, of hurt, of pain. Um, I purged a lot of feeling that night. Is there something that you believe that people may be missing that might hold a key to um, um, not experiencing so much pain or not experiencing such a, a visceral reaction to the play? Because it, it, it can be 
um, a lot. It can be much for people to take in, especially when you, you know, are not aware of the piece as a whole or not aware of the new ending. I don't know. I what if what has come to me uh, from black and white audience members is the overuse in quotes uh, of the N word. Um, I don't think that's changed. Now I think that the grooming sort of helped it in a way, but also it's poetry too. Right. Maybe that's my interpretation. And and you're you're dead on. And there have been you know people of a certain generation who don't understand that. You know what mm. I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like okay. And what I what I I had to sit with that for like a, a few weeks. You know? And what I came up with is no, it's not necessarily the use of the word itself. I think that it's the use of the word in mixed company, mm-hmm. you know, because I feel like some people, you know, they laugh at things in the show, but they don't really know what they're laughing. They're laughing at. Oh my goodness. The first 15 minutes are so uncomfortable. First 15, <laughs> 20 minutes. I'm, I'm looking around like, what is so funny? Like it, it actually is, can be uncomfortable because mm-hmm people think that they're laughing at one thing, but they really have no idea mm-hmm. what they're looking at or what they're observing. And they're just yeah. ha he he and ha ha. And like, what is funny? Oh my God, thank you for saying that. Because- thank you. Yeah. This- and, and- Go ahead, John. Go ahead, John. This play, I, my heart goes out to a lot of our black uh, audience members because just because of what we're talking about, I think it puts them in a really interesting position to be surrounded by white people, either laughing at things or missing things. And I'll talk about some experiences I've had after the the show, which lead me to believe that, yeah, people are missing things. Um, because you're like, as as the minority in the room, it 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 is tough to to see these things on stage being laughed at and not know where everyone is seeing the joke, where where it's coming from. Um, there are times that <laughs> the blackberries come out. <laughs> it's like yeah. strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, and people laugh, and I'm just like. What are you laughing at? <laughs> well, because it's black. Is it black? That's why you're laughing. That's funny. Right. <laughs> the third one. Right. Uh, right. And there, I can tell sometimes if, you know, when the character Mr. says, uh, it's just a name, you know, pass it down and pass it down. And there's no reaction. No one's like, ugh. I'm like, oh, are they getting this? Not aware. Listening to this? Not aware. <laughs> there are mm-hmm. moments like that throughout the play where I'm just sort of checking in. It's hard not to notice. Um, mm-hmm. And then after the show, I've had white, you know, this white dude said N word to me, asking like, trying to be like, why is it, why is it used so much? Why did the, these guys use it so much? But like, said the word, and we're like, you just watched a play where. My character literally says to the white character, it's not yours. And you yeah. felt like you could just come up to a black man on the street and like use the word instead of saying the N-word. Yeah. This old lady the other day was like the ebonics. I couldn't understand a lot of the things. I think I just missed a lot of things because of the ebonics. And do you think you guys could? I said no. <laughs> I don't think we're going to do anything to the script. What would make you think that during the run of a play, the playwright or the actors would change the words to make it more accessible to you, to you. as a white person? Well, that's, that is that is Broadway. <laughs> that is 
what has been done. And I think that's why this play coming to Broadway is it, it brings um, a unique perspective and it brings a different story. Um, it, it also, um, a different, it's a different type of storytelling that we don't get as often as we, we need to in order to have uh, audiences be able to interpret it in the way that it needs to be received. And so that's why I'm, I'm just so, go ahead. I just want to make what it it made something glaringly clear to me that you know everybody in the audience isn't gonna be isn't gonna have the same literacy literacy when we're talking mm -hmm. about issues uh, around race, and that's mm -hmm. just something that is a reality. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, it's Antoinette's charge as a playwright to say, "Well, no, I'm still gonna." be unapologetic about the work that I put out there. I can't not have these guys behave a certain way or say certain things because of the various levels of education people are coming in with. Right. Uh, so it's a it's a brave thing that I think she's taken on. Yeah, because they 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 have not done that for us for many years, you know, for other cultures or for other uh, walks of life. Uh, your story is your story. It's been, it's, you interpret it how you interpret it. Um, do you believe uh, that those particular audience members and the people that have approached you and said some, some things that may have been off kilter, how has it impacted you? How are you going to walk away from this? Um, what is your perspective of people? Um, yeah. How, how does, how has that changed you? Well, for me, I feel like I feel like the older that I'm getting, the more I'm starting to like really understand people. Mm -hmm. And I understand what I'm starting to understand is that people are who they are. Some people want to change. Some people want to change their perspective. Some people want to understand and have empathy for others who aren't like them. Mm -hmm. And then some people just want to stay the same, you know? So this particular play is just like every other play um, with black people at the center is a slice of life, you know? Now these people, Moses and Kitch are two people that mostly everybody would just walk away from. They wouldn't go anywhere near them, you know? Um, their language, the way they look, you know, the way they have the hair, you know what I mean? They're a little dirty, you know, whatever, you know, it's like they don't, they will never go near them, black and white, you know what I'm saying? But also, they're people, you know what I mean? Yeah. And you can't police, pun intended, how somebody talks how somebody thinks about mm -hmm. another group of people. You can do your best to try to, you know, get others to, to ask themselves the question as to why do I feel like this? Why yeah. do I, why am I scared around these people? You know what I mean? Uh, a white woman came up to me, older white lady, and she said, uh, how does it feel to uh, say the word nigger? I mean, I've never said it in my life. I'm like, but you just did. Just did, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's just like, what this play does for me, and this is my second time doing it, it exposes people. Mm. Good, bad, and indifferent, it exposes. You know, I find myself being exposed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just, you know, uh, having Chris, the Christopher character, you know, being accepted into the, given a pass to go into the, the promised land, you know what I mean? That's tough for me yeah. <laughs> to think about yeah. as a for black a lot man, of us. you know what I'm saying? Especially so, first. Exactly. So it's like, okay, well. I was like, this... Moses, what the, what the fuck are you doing, man? Exactly. <laughs> What? Why are you telling him? It's like, like, let him go on. Let him find it on his own or something. Find his own way to exactly. To but you know, go go ahead. Exactly, and 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 it's like you know, that speaks to like this whole idea of going back to 
you know, a world before there were differences, you know, before mm-hmm. there was like a, a race, you know, a concept of race and what this person looks like, what these group of people look like, you know what I mean? I don't know if it ever really existed because we're human beings. And yeah. it's like, you know, there, there, there is the spirit of Iblis, uh, which is which is the name of uh, of of Satan, you know, in in Islam, uh, which is the haughty spirit, you know. I'm better, you know. God created human beings, mm. you know, and He created the angels first, then He created human beings, and then He God wanted the angels to bow down to the humans, mm. and Iblis said, "No, I'm better than him. He's made of." of clay, I'm made of fire, I'm better. Then he ended up getting kicked out of, of paradise. Mm-hmm. You know, so we all have that spirit, you know, within us. So I I you know I just try to think that every day of me doing this play, every show, I'm getting more and more inclined to be a little more empathetic towards people and to yeah. where people are you know? give more so, grace yeah exactly yeah so how is it to um how is it to experience uh, uh the the role of of mister um i saw that there was a a, a white woman as the understudy the 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 I'm very interested to see. Has she ever gone on yet? Has she gone on or, or put in rehearsal? How does how has that been? Nope. Has there been no? Oh my goodness, that would I think that would change the entire <laughs> play, if you will. But I think it's a mixed up. It's a missed opportunity. Yeah. Um, yeah. That that seems so so powerful in and knowing the piece now and and. Um, how how would that change as a white woman um to come in and, and play that role that uh, yeah I, I would love to see i would love to see that um There's, what that what that looks like or what that feels like i think there might be an invited thing on friday uh a run yeah. of the show somebody so, better somebody better invite me right so You're somebody inviting. better invite me hello <laughs> It's at two thirty. Hello, look, I'm knocking on the window in in the in the back of the studio. Hello, somebody invite Let me, me to. Hello, for real, because that that I think that would um, impact so much of the storytelling, and I would I would just be interested to see what that looks and feels like. Um, as much as I am am traumatized by this play, I still would want to know what that that looked like. Um, talk to me a little bit about, uh, and this is we're we're wrapping up here. I um. And I thank y'all so much for your time. I really, really, truly do. Thank you. What man. are you guys going to walk away, walk away with? This is the final week. This is the the end of of the run, and and possibly the end of your your time with this show. Uh, you know, who knows? It might you know if it goes to LA or if it goes somewhere beyond here. Um, but this could possibly be the the last time that you do this show this week. How are you feeling about that, and what are you walking away with? I think my mental and physical will be uh, ready to step away from the play uh, after this week. But I'm also, I feel like this is such a rare um, coming together of artists that Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to continue to work and tell this story even more efficiently more movingly um uh, uh and grow as an artist because the the two guys i'm up there with always challenge me to be better i think that's such a rare thing um so i'm i'm really gonna try to enjoy that and be in the moment and and take advantage of it and and see just how deeply we can continue to to sink into this story and uh walking away with uh i've uh, many 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 people have said that it's given them a lot to think about i think the play is sort of a rorschach test like that 
Um, so I'm walking away hopeful that it inspires people to investigate what the play brought up for them. Um, not even necessarily thinking that it was a great play. I don't, I don't need people to think that. But if the play did uh, uh, inspire some more self-investigation, then, then I'm really pleased about that. Oh, it did. It did that. <laughs> it definitely stirred up some stuff. Y'all know. I know y'all know. Y'all been talking to people. Oh, y'all yeah. get. I think y'all get more interaction than anybody else because you're in in the play. I think wow. people feel more of a freedom to discuss it with you, um, because of you are the the black faces of the of the the play. And and when we see our own, we'd be like, brother, what what happened? What is this? You know, what is that? So. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I know that it stirred up some things for for anyone that saw it, and and that is to be um, commended. And that we do the self reflection. What about you, Namir? What are you walking away with? Um, I'm walking away with a little more empathy, like I said before. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take this experience and bottle it up and bring it to my next. Uh, gig you know what I mean because it's something about exploring aspects of the human condition and then in turn exploring aspects of yourself that is very cathartic and Hmm. eye-opening you know what I mean so I think I'm a more compassionate person than I was, you know, before we started this process. You know, I've had a a different experience this time around than I did three years ago. You know what I mean? This was the first time that I've ever done a show where I had unbridled joy, Mm -hmm. you know? And being up there with my two brothers, you know what I mean, is like the joy of my life, you know what I mean? And to be able to tell this story, to to tell Kitch's story night night in and night out, you know what I mean? With all the, the joy that he has and the fear and the terror that he has too. I think that, that 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 is something that is going to carry me through the the rest of my journey in this in this thing of you know in this realm of storytelling you know what i mean so that's what i hope to take what i'm taking away thank you too so so very much this was very enlightening um i think we needed to have this conversation um i think people will will, will gain a lot from it uh, we want to honor the the um the playwright antoinette the black woman that wrote this play um, being the first out the gate to come to Broadway and and reopen it and and be the guinea pig of what what's what is happening in our in our industry at this time. We want to honor the understudies of you two gentlemen who have to come in night after night and and you know be prepared to go on. And we also want to honor the creative team of this piece um, for all the hard work that they put into it. The set is beautiful. Um, the the promised land looks looks gorgeous. Um, the, the costuming is done, you know, well, and I, I'm very appreciative of this whole creative team for bringing this piece together um, because I know it wasn't easy. And so we want to honor that. Um, we want to honor you two gentlemen for the work that you lay on that stage every night. It, it is awe-inspiring, I will say that. Um, and we thank you. This has been a new episode of Off Book presented to you by Broadway Black. We've hit our mark and we've done it right now. I'm Drew Shade and we out y'all. Thank y'all so much, gentlemen. Y'all be easy. Thank you. You too. Awesome. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. <laughs> 